Those who are happiest are those who do the most for others. That is a quote by Booker T. Washington. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is episode 106. The topic of this week's episode is Do Much With Little. My guest this week is Chantelle Henry. Chantelle is a highly requested speaker and transformational coach. She has the passion for helping authors, elevating others, and ministering to at-risk youth. A native of Baltimore, Maryland, she maintains a global presence impacting lives through ministry and nonprofit work with at-risk youth in Trinidad and Tobago. As the co-owner of the Best Sellers Academy, Chantel is on a mission to help 1,000 people become international best-selling authors in 2020. Hi, Chantel. Welcome to Trina Talk. Hello, Trina. It's good to be here. I am glad to have you. We know each other because we are in the same tribe as far as our speaking and elevating ourselves and doing our business. And I wanted to have you on because you are always smiling. You have such a great smile and I see you and you're you're doing some amazing things in this world. So you're a speaker, you're a transformational coach. I know you and your husband have a bestsellers academy. Um, so why don't you start us off and tell the listeners about who Chantel is and how you came to be this passionate person that you are today? Wow, that is a very, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big question to answer, but I'll do my best. You always ask such great questions. Um, well, you, you pretty much summed up my bio. Um, I believe that I am a person of purpose. Um, and so therefore, everything that I do um, has that element of intention behind it. Um, as you mentioned, I am the co-owner of the Best Sellers Academy, where we specialize in helping aspiring authors and speakers uh, take the book that's stuck in their belly, the story that's stuck in their belly and turn it into a book. And so uh, when we met Trina, I'll never forget, we were, um, <laughs> we were at the, the conference um, in San Diego and you, your presence, and I only knew, and I hope I don't get this wrong, but I only knew that you had such an awesome presence with great stature and posture and just sophistication was oozing off of you. And I said, that's my kind of girl. Not that you, not that you had it all together because none of us do, but you just had a certain level of um, femininity about you that was structured that I really admired. And um, I, I remember that you were 
feeling, I think, a little ill at one point. Yes. We connected um, in that way, just wanting to serve you and just making sure that you were good. Um, so thank you for allowing me to have that moment with you. I haven't forgotten it. And um, I'm glad you're good now. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I think the question was about me. See, that's one thing about my my um, my nature. I have a degree in public relations, and um, you know, my my background is in communication. But I've always pursued a career that allows me to elevate other people. So I find it kind of weird sometimes talking about myself because I don't know. I don't think I'm the most important person in the room. Um, so thank you for thinking enough of me to invite you, invite me on this show. Um, but what I do is um, I not only help you know individuals get their story out, but I also work with my husband uh, in ministry, helping young people who are at risk make some important decisions in their their lives with you know, spirituality being the foundation of how they approach life's very important decisions, such as re um, relationships, um, their money, uh, their um, academia, all of those, you know, important decisions have the basis of making first year spiritual uh, decision. And so we run a nonprofit in Trinidad and Tobago, and we have an office in Atlanta, but now that COVID is in the place, we are stuck here. <laughs> All the borders are shut down. And so we are currently residing in the sunny, sunny island of Trinidad in the West Indies. And uh, we have two lovely children, a three-year-old boy and a one-year-old girl who thinks she's 11. <laughs> and uh, they keep us pretty busy. Wow. And first of all, I want to say, yes, I remember when we met and it's funny you remember that because I was saying, yep, I got sick because I had just flown in for the conference that day. I hadn't eaten and I started to feel ill. Um, so I want to say thank you and your husband for, you know, you guys were you were very concerned about, oh, are you OK? You brought me water. And that was great because I, I was feeling like I was going to black out and I'm. Mm -hmm. I actually made it to my room without doing that. So thank you for being so kind. Um, but yes, you are. Um, wow. I've just, as you were talking, I'm just sitting here taking notes and I'm thinking, wow, this is, I have a lot of questions. My first question to you is me at risk youth. Mm -hmm. What made you decide to work with them and to work with them in the capacity that you're doing? Because I think it's, Awesome, because you're working, you said you finance the spirituality, those things that everyone needs, but especially the at-risk youth that people seem to kind of throw by the wayside. Mm -hmm. um, tell me more about that. Well, <clears throat> I was once an at-risk youth. Um, I grew up in the inner city of Baltimore, the main streets of Baltimore City, and my mom, being a single mother of five, she was determined not to have us be a statistic. And so although we were uh, from the city, we weren't of the city. And what I mean by that is, is she always went the extra mile in investing um, her money and putting us into programs, um, even on a, a salary as a bus driver. I mean, she invested in us getting exposure uh, to other people in other places so that we can realize that we were not... Uh, what our what the statistics said that we would be we were not the definition of you know the the environment and so 
when I look back at how I grew up, um, I just think that, wow, even though I may not be where I um, can sit on a high hill in a big mansion and live off the fat of the land, even in my journey of getting to that point, there's still a level of uh, responsibility that I have to pull people up. I may be one step or two steps ahead of you know individuals that I support, um, but that is still progress enough for me to be able to lend a helping hand. And, um, and so that is the basis of what drives me is just seeing how you can do much even with little. And I think that sometimes we overlook young people uh, who are without or who may not have parental supervision and have people investing in them because they are not the most desirable folks to work with sometimes. Um, you know, I was not the best child to work with, but because there was intentionality put behind mentors and coaches in my life at that time, I turned out to be a little bit of something, <laughs> you know, eventually. And so I take that same spirit of compassion, dealing with young people and wanting to give them the opportunity to see life outside of the confines of their community so that they too can dream a little bigger and they too can feel a little bit of hope that their lives can change. Um, and we've seen it. My husband and I, we have decided that Trinidad would be the first stop in terms of where we would have that concerted investment. And we've seen children who literally don't have shoes to put on their feet, who live in houses without plumbing. They have to use an outhouse and have to bathe in the sea. Uh, we've seen them still pick themselves up and realize, like, I don't have to be the drug dealer in order to make it out of this community, that I too can be a pastor or I can be a lawyer or a doctor. And we've seen the change in their behavior as a result of us taking a little bit of time out of our day to give them that type of direction. Mm, that is wonderful because like you said, so they just, people need a hand up, That's right. you know, and, and so many people look down their nose at other people or they judge and we all have a story and it's not for you to know someone else's story, but to help them and do it. So without judging. That's right. So that, that is so great that you and your husband have decided to do that. Now, you mentioned Trinidad and Tobago. Do you guys reside there? Yes. Yeah, so this is our primary residence. However, we okay. have an office in Atlanta as well, where we spend, we used to go there like almost every 90 days, but now it's a lot different. <laughs> okay. So why Atlanta? Atlanta is where I um, grew up in my adult years. I went to Clark Atlanta University. Shout out to CAU. <laughs> oh, all right. HBCU. I went to HBCU too. Really? Which HBCU? Alabama A&M. Oh, yeah. The Alabama yeah. A&M. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so that's why Atlanta is always close to my heart. And uh, we try to keep a presence there. It's the Black Mecca in the yes. States. And so I love it. It has great... Great vibes. <laughs> yes, it does. Wow. So let's get into your bestsellers academy. Um, I know you're uh, in our tribe. I know you're well respected as far as um, helping people birth their book. Tell me, how did that come about? How did you um, start having the passion and the desire to do that? 
Great question. Um, you know, I didn't actually discover this until I did a, a similar interview and, you know, the the interviewer asked me, like, where did I get my desire? Same, same what you ask. And um, really, it came as a result of me witnessing how important it is to speak up for people who are too afraid to speak up for themselves or maybe feel disempowered to even talk. And I learned about that being an issue because my mother, um, when I was about six years old, my oldest brother, there are five of us, and he was 18 at the time. And he actually went to jail, had a fight with his girlfriend, went to jail for a couple of hours or a couple of days. And that day, those days turned into weeks. Those weeks turned into months. And those months turned into um, the end of his life. And Mm -hmm. so what happened, um, he was in a very racist part of Maryland, Hagerstown, Maryland. And um, he was 18 years old at the time. So very, how do you call it? Um, you know, 18 years old, smelling themselves, my mother was mm-hmm. gay and thinking that they know everything. And, and so he was um, not able to really get a hold of his, his temper and things like that. And so while in jail, they kept tacking different um, lengths of time onto a sentence because of that type of attitude. And while in, in jail, he suffered an asthma attack. He had really bad asthma. And the security guards, instead of giving him his life-saving medicine, decided to withhold it from him, which caused his death. Mm. And my mother, she was understandably devastated. I mean, this is a child that she, you know, had given birth to, had him for seven years before she ever thought about having the rest of us. And he was her best friend. And he wanted, she wanted so desperately for him to be something of himself. And she, um, <clears throat> and he, she felt like even despite what he was going through in that moment, that he, there was hope for his life because he had wrote a letter to her shortly before he died that said, you know, I've made a lot of bad choices in my life. And I know you've been telling me, you know, what to do. And I think I'm, I'm finally ready to make a shift. And he said, but you know what? I'll sh- I can show you better than I can tell you. And those were his final words. That was his final words to my mother. And um, once he passed away, my mother had two choices. She could succumb to the gravity of her grief, which many of us will understand, um, or she could rise above it and do what my brother instructed her to do. He, he always told her, Ma, take care of my children, take care of my brothers and sisters. I don't know what made him say that because she was always taking care of us, but he just had a certain maturity about himself. And he would always share that with her. And so in the back of her mind, as she's struggling through the mourning and the pain and the questions and the devastation, she always played that voice of his in the back of her mind. And so, um, you know, like any superhero in a movie that gets knocked down and gets the win knocked out of them, she decided to scrape herself up out of that situation. And it took time. I mean, I remember watching her in the kitchen and she would be cooking breakfast. And then in the middle of her doing her chores, she would just break down and cry. And so I watched the transformation, you know, the walk didn't come quickly. At first it was just 
a creep and then the creep became a crawl and then that crawl became a walk and then eventually uh, she was able to run and man boy did she run Trina for my my whole life I witnessed just how strong the power and the resilience of a woman is a woman who's made up her mind is a woman that is unstoppable and my mother ran all the way to the highest court in the state of Maryland, and she sued the pants off of the state. And they were found liable, and she won a major lawsuit um, due to the fact that they had a responsibility in my, my brother's death. But she wasn't done there. She was not done just running in her own victory. She decided to go to Philadelphia, go to New York and go to these places. And she took up the mantle of a political activist. And my little six-year-old, seven-year-old self would go with her to these places and see these tall people with even bigger signs saying, no justice, no peace. You know, the cops and the Klan go hand in hand. Like she had me mm. fired up with these <laughs> political uh, statements and that was just always in my belly. And, uh, you know, during that interview, I really reflected because I, I like to be honest in my answers and really reflective in what I say, because I believe the power of our words have the ability to transform or to tear down. And so I, I always like to be, a, you know, um, aid in that transformational process. And so when she asked me that question, I realized that my desire to see other people stand on their story. My desire to see other people not be ashamed to express what they've been through was born from my witnessing my mother be able to be an advocate for those who did not have a voice. She was able to use her voice to speak up, even when it wasn't convenient. She was able to use her voice to be um, a tool to free those who would have otherwise been left behind. And so I look at what we do at the Best Sellers Academy as similar advocacy. You know, we have authors who've been through really traumatic things in their lives, um, whether it's sex trafficking since they were three years old, or whether it was, you know, going through a devastating divorce, bankruptcy, um, homelessness, those stories are so important to share because there is a generation that is before us and generations that are to generations that are to come that will feel absolutely hopeless if we don't speak up like our girl lisa nichols says she says speak up even when your voice shakes and my mother she she spoke up and because of her speaking up and not succumbing to the gravity of her grief that I'm able to speak up, not just for myself, because I don't think that that's the most important thing, but to provide a safe space for others to speak up and use their story as an inspiration that they can then turn into a book and bless the world with their message. Mm, that's so beautiful. And wow, your story, first of all, you know, I, I'm, so sorry you lost your brother in a way. Was he the eldest? He was. Yeah. And good on your mother for taking that fight to the courts and winning and being that advocate for other people. 
Um, because, you know, and I don't know how long ago this was, but we already know in this day and age what we have seen as far as, um, you know, treatment of people and people of color in particular um, by by law enforcement. And yeah, you you know, you need someone to speak up. And I'm so glad that you're doing this. And it's it's funny because I released my book, my first book in January and. I told my story, which I had always kept to myself and felt ashamed um, to tell and was very hesitant. But as I was writing, I slowly started to say, okay, no, I'm going to share this part. I'm going to share this part. And I've had people to contact me and say, oh my God, you know, I went through that same thing Mm -hmm. or I really enjoyed your story. So you know, and a, and a lot of people I know write books and they are thinking, oh, well, I want to be a bestseller. I want to be on a New York Times and whatever, whatever, Amazon. And I really didn't write it for that. I wrote it to get my story out. And I was actually surprised myself how vulnerable I was in the book and the things that I ended up sharing. And I kind of was conflicted because at first I was like, no, I don't want to share it. No. Then I was like, you know what? I am. Hmm. And it's not for anybody to judge me. And my story may impact one person. And that's why I did it because I wanted to share my story for those who feel helpless and hopeless. And if it impacted one person, that's fine. I wasn't doing it to be on a bestsellers list. So I thank you for being that vessel so that people can do that because yes, people have a story. And sometimes like me, sometimes people are shame, you know, because there's so much judgment going on. And usually the people who are judging and pointing fingers are the people who are not worthy of pointing fingers at people and shouldn't. Um, But unfortunately, we have that. So, yes, it's great that you are helping people share those stories and get those stories out into the world because you never know who you may impact with that story. You never know. And to your point, Trina, you know, I'm I'm so I celebrate you for being vulnerable and for you knowing that, you know, when you put your story into a book, it's like cementing it in stone, right? You can mm-hmm. never erase it um, as much as you try. And so by you having the courage to really say, okay, this is the decision that I'm going to make. And I'm not going to do what is comfortable to me. Sometimes the comfort comes after the conviction. You can't just <laughs> go into it thinking, okay, if it doesn't feel good, then it's not right. You know, um, you know, the, the Holy Spirit wars on our behalf and that war is real because Satan wants to remind you of your shame. And when you re- when you're reminded of your shame, it many times leads to you not wanting to speak up. But God wants to remind you of your name. He wants to remind you that you have a purpose. He wants to remind you that people are going to be free because of your testimony. So I really thank you for that boldness. And um, I want to invite you to my show too. <laughs> Girl, share your story so that you can bless those um, who, who really need to hear it. I would be honored to. Yes, I would love to share my story and and help someone whatever they're going to, to help them get, you know, get past that, to let them know that, yeah, their, their past doesn't define them. And that's kind of my thing is, you know, your past doesn't define you. And I have been so afraid because I was like, oh, I made poor choices. Oh, I made mistakes. And, you know, people are going to look at me and, you know, go, oh, who is she? You know, but, you know, I let all that go. 
let it all go. So that's, that's great. So do you have a book out yourself? I do. I have two books, as a matter of fact. Um, the first one that I authored um, was called On a Mission, 21 Secrets for College Success. Um, I wrote that one um, when I left my job as a professor. wanted to be able to leave a token of wisdom uh, to my, with my students. And so I wrote that book. And um, that actually launched my official speaking career <laughs> where I got paid <laughs> to deliver my message. I wasn't just on a, on the free, uh, what they call it, the chitlin circuit. <laughs> 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 so um, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, and then we recently launched a book last year. It was called Love Never Fails, How to Get Married and Stay Married. So those are my two books. And we've, um, I, I like to say those are the ones we author, but we have uh, dozens and dozens of best-selling authors that um, we've helped to put out there in the marketplace. Yes, great. And I see that your mission is to help 1,000 people become international bestsellers. How many people have you helped so far? You know what? I should probably keep count. <laughs> <laughs> I need to do a real count because I don't know. I know we haven't reached that number yet. Um, but we are well on our way uh, to getting to that goal. And, and when I think about that, I think about, okay, how many people are called to serve? We, that's the rent. I think Muhammad Ali said it, it says service is the rent that you pay for your time here on earth. Mm-hmm. Service is the rent that each of us pay. And so if we are all serving, then the best way that you can serve, one of the best ways is by letting someone else know. Yana, you are not alone. Mm-hmm. And how do we do that? By being bold enough to share our story. So I, I look forward to reaching that number, however long it takes. Um, we are in for the long haul. Yes, yes. Well, I definitely want to say I, I don't have any plans right at this moment to write another book, but I'm pretty sure I, I will. And when I do, I would like you guys to help me with it. Um, okay. We would be honored. Yeah. I, I'm glad that I know you and I know that this is what you do because, um, yeah. I would do it. And it's funny because when I met you, I had no desire to write a book. I was like, no. It's something I'm about being around book. like fellow authors and speakers where it just rubs off on you. Like, yeah, it's amazing because I left that conference and yeah, got back and wrote a book mm-hmm. like in within, you know, five or six months. Amazing. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's very funny, but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I will write another book um, sometime, but whenever I do. Um, So what I want to do now is I want to go into the questions. Are you ready? I am ready. I have my seatbelt on. (laughs) Have no fear. Okay. Who or what motivates you? Mm, Do I have to answer these fast or can I think? (laughs) No, no, you don't. You don't have to answer fast. (laughs) Rapid fire questions. (laughs) What motivates me? What motivates me is knowing that time is limited. It's a scarce resource. And so knowing that we have a finite, knowing that I have a finite time here on earth, it motivates me to just press forward another day, even though the schedules get hectic and the children are not in school um, and the husband has his needs. I still feel like I can do press one more check mark off of my to-do list. Um, because if I don't, then today is gone and tomorrow isn't promised. So I got to do the most that I can do 
in the period of time that I have. So the scarcity, the reality of our finite time here on earth is what motivates me. One of the things. Mm. What demotivates you? Having an argument with my husband. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I just always want him to think the best of me. And it's rare. Like if out of three months, if we have one argument, that's a lot. Like we are so like evenly yoked and awesome together that us having a discussion that's not healthy, (laughs) it rarely happens. So when it does, it's extra devastating. So that demotivates me. And I'll be in like a stupor for like two to three days. Y'all help me. Oh, goodness. (laughs) When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked out for your good? Hmm. I can remember in high school, my, my teacher, I had like AP English, I'm advanced placement English, and um, I wanted to apply for a journalism, a journalism internship. And I had already been working like at the news station and had like my digital resume. And I just needed like one more recommendation. And I asked her, I said, Miss Heinrich. Yes, I'm going to say her name. <laughs> Put her on blast. Yes. <laughs> Miss Heinrich, could you write this recommendation uh, for me? And she looked at me and she said, no, I, I won't write it. And I'm like, oh, really? Okay. How come? She said, because she didn't like the way that I spoke to another student um, hmm. class. And I was taken aback by it. I knew there was something, some other layers to it that I won't go here and discuss. But um, I was taken aback by it. And it really threw me for a loop because I thought of how judgmental that was, that she could have taken one incident where maybe I came off a little unsavory and um, used that to color me to the point where her one signature and endorsement could have like changed the trajectory of my life. And she just refused to have that type of um, holistic perception of me. Cause I was a performer in her class and I was generally respectful or so I thought. And, um, and so that threw me, however, because my mother was so strong, such a strong influence, it didn't derail me, but it let me know that there not everyone who smiles at you or for you. Mm. And so it, it toughened me up at an early age to kind of sober me to the reality that, you know, there are people who just won't <laughs> be by your side, even the people that you think may be by your side. And um, so that, that worked out for me because I didn't credit, like I don't take how can I say it? I don't take too much on in terms of, you know, expectations from other people to define my life. I really look expectantly to God and know that he works all things together for the good of those who love him Mm. and to those who are called according to his purpose. So there may be things that, you know, to the listeners who are hearing this, there may be things that you want for yourself that you think you're qualified for, that you think you've, you know, bled, you've sweated, you've cried, you've toiled, you've done everything for, um, that you think that you are deserving of. But that may be, that's just one avenue to you getting to where you need to be. But God has a better thing in store for you. Just trust in his steps and trust in his process. Is there a time 
when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Mm, Is there a time that I wish I had done something that I didn't do? Every day. (laughs) When when Friday comes and I look at all of the things that I should have done and I didn't do, and they're due on Monday, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I I wish I should have done that (laughs) or I should have done that. So, yeah, that happens to me more times than I want to admit. Okay. Is there a time that you wish you had not done something? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I wish I had not dated a guy uh, who was a bunch of years older than me when I was in my 20s. I wish I had not, oh, my goodness, smoked weed. (laughs) I wish... I wish so many things that I had not done. Oh, to live those those days again. Um, I wish I hadn't. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know 2020 is hindsight, isn't it? <laughs> I'm telling you, when you get older, you just look at all of the things that you the stupid decisions that you've made and you're just like, wow, I wish I had not had those experiences, my lord. Yeah, yes. What is your definition of success? Success is serving. Service to others is success. Hmm. How do you recharge? I recharge by giving myself a pedicure. Um, I recharge by, I just bought this massage gun from Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) So every, almost every other night, like I take it from underneath the bed and and that's self-care, right? Because my husband, Mm -hmm. he, I don't know, I have such a petite body and he's like, oh, that's why I can't massage you because I don't want to hurt you. (laughs) That's his excuse. So I said, okay, you know what? I'll take that maybe twice a month, but I need more than more massages than that. So I decided to be empowered and I got a massage gun. And so that is how I self-care. I use that massage gun in the nighttime and then I go ahead and do my exercises in the morning. Most recently, those exercises look like me piling my two children in this one stroller. <laughs> it's a good stroller. It's a big stroller, but it's only designed for one child. And they <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> and they go for it though. They're like anything to get outside. So we pile up in that stroll and we go around the block. Um, so that's been my way of exercising these days. Oh, now see, I have to ask: Is the massage gun one of those Theraguns? I don't know what a Theragun is. Is it? Is it the one like they've been advertising? It it has like the trigger, but you can put all the different adjustments on yes. it. Yes, cannabis. Oh my goodness, I got to get one of those. Do you like it? I do. Mine though, it was highly rated on Amazon, but it. You could put the different nozzles on it, but it mm-hmm. has one type of um, pressure. It's like um, like pulsing. Okay. But it's not like turning or anything like that. So get one that has multiple type of massage styles, not just the different nozzles. Yes. Okay. What are you awesome at? Ah, I'm awesome at being a mommy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. What legacy do you want to leave? I want to leave a legacy of generosity. I want to get better at being generous. Um, I want to leave a legacy of understanding and relating to people. 
compassion, I think you would categorize it as. So mm-hmm. a legacy of generosity and compassion. Wow. Okay, Chantel, tell the listeners, well, give the listeners one motivational takeaway. My top piece of motivational advice would be to remember that service to many truly does lead to greatness. So don't worry about promoting yourself and being great. Just start with serving one person because that will inevitably turn into you serving two people and that two is going to be multiplied and so forth and so on. And then eventually greatness will discover you. You know, some people think that folks who you see on TV or have YouTube channels that are popping or podcasts popping like Trina, that, you know, it's an overnight success. But really that success was years of showing up on Facebook Lives and only two people watching. It was years of sending out emails and only one person responding. That success does not happen, happen overnight. And so just work on the ones and the twos, and then eventually those twos will turn into 20s. And then those 20s will turn into 20,000s. And soon your name will be known. But more importantly than that, your service will be known. Mm, that's a good takeaway. So tell the listeners how they can connect with you, um, how to, if they have a book in their belly and they want to have someone help them get it out, give the listeners all that information. Definitely. You can find us on uh thebestsellersacademy.com, thebestsellersacademy.com. You can connect with me personally on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash coach Chantel. That's C-H-A-N-T-E-L. And those two ways are the best ways to reach out to me. Well, great. Well, Chantel, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. And I know you're a busy lady, you're a business owner, you're a mom, you're a wife. So I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to be here with me. And it has been very inspirational. And I'm just, I'm glad I know you. Aww. Well, it is good to be known and more gooder than that. Yes, I say gooder. <laughs> it's, it's for you, uh, Trina, to really open up your platform uh, to just have me share a little bit of a little bit of what I know and um, really to try to help out folks who just need that extra dose of hope. And um, I appreciate you for that. If you like Trina Talk podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, If you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.